Well, welcome back to the Average Joe's podcast, and uh, here today is Ryan Martai and Brad Miller and Caleb Miller, and uh, my return from the dark continent is uh, I am back uh, from spending 10 days in Senegal, and I'm here to uh, to get these guys back in order, so welcome, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you. And you, I can't believe you came back from Africa and, and preached. Uh, that's very manly. Well, you know, I, I try and do manly things. <laughs> it's all to impress you, though, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, how was Senegal, Mike? Uh, it was a great trip. Um, I felt like it was uh, different than my other trips, so I didn't get to go to my village um, or our village either. Uh, but mm-hmm. it was it was neat to be working with um, new soon to be minted newly minted cool. free Methodist pastors and we're in on the on the ground floor so we're really kind of creating structure. There's no free Methodist church there, so we're figuring out how are they going to be uh, accountable with finances. How do guys who their average yearly income is $150? How do we uh, help them make? enough money to be able to support ministry and be doing ministry so um it was a good trip it was a really good trip and, and prayers were were felt like i people often say oh i could tell you were praying for me um this trip we definitely could because it it was the smoothest trip i've ever taken nobody mm. was sick no nice. delays on the airlines wow. um had hard conversations had to confront some things and even those went went really smoothly so mm. it was good thanks for asking So Brad, do you want to? You look like you are in deep thought already. Well, I was I was thinking about the. You got home at uh, around midnight, and you didn't. I think uh, your wife told me you hadn't. You slept at the camp and didn't get to sleep until two a.m. Saturday morning, and I don't know. You were uh, preparing your message at an airport at <laughs> one point, and I've I've done I've preached before, and and uh, the the thought of having anything. The night before, or, or losing sleep and uh, not having your message ready is just anxiety provoking. I'm just uh, amazed how well you did it. Uh, well, it was it's God's grace for sure, and I I had a good bulk of it prepared before I even left for Senegal. Mm-hmm. Um, then while I was there, you know, kind of ruminated on it. I had more time for mm-hmm. a week of, or so, and. Um, and then when we were getting ready to fly out of Dakar, I pulled out my laptop and worked on it some more. And then Saturday afternoon, Pam, our superintendent's husband, called me and said, hey, um, we're going to come down and, and go to your service tomorrow. And I'll bring you sweet rolls as a, as a thank you. <laughs> yeah. So um, at that point, I thought, I probably ought to go back and look this over. <laughs> so I did, and then I, I had to write a second short message for the sunrise service. So Yeah. Um, and I don't always preach that one. Uh, we take turns, but it was my year, and they were all apologetic afterwards, saying, well, what were we thinking? One of us should have just taken this on. Yeah. It's all right. My dad has always said, you just do what you have to do to do what you have to do. And he meant that in his like in work life, but mm-hmm. um, you got to make ends meet, you make ends meet. And kinda it is amazing. Uh, but 
we we recognize the power of God and the Holy Spirit and gifting and all that too. But that doesn't mean uh, there's no human effort. Right. And that there is a lot. We die to ourselves. We walk in faith, not by sight, and we uh, sacrifice and suffer sometimes, going without sleep, and all kinds of things. But I, you sent us a video of a, a woman preaching to the to villagers in Africa too. I was thinking about um, your Mark 16 message to us about the resurrection and the, the women being told and then them not believing the women and stuff like that. But I was wondering how there must have been an Easter message in Africa while you were there or you're familiar with it. And I wonder uh, how is there... Are there cultural things that need to be explained differently, or how do you? Uh, most of them are maybe Muslim, or I don't know if you're talking to believers or um, what do you call them, uh, animists, the different religions, and that. Do you communicate the Easter message differently to them the way I, you do here? That's a that is a, a good question. And so this trip, we were with pastors and and by and large. Christians, other than when when Danielle was doing that message, it was um, a group, of, a mixed group um, in a village, and so it was. Um, there were Christians there. It was a church that we were visiting, uh, but there the Muslims and the Christians don't separate there like we do here. <laughs> um, so, but we do. I think what we found in the Muslim countries is that, or in the, in Senegal anyway, is that. Um, storytelling is a huge way of doing evangelism there. They, mm -hmm. and, and especially there because it's, it is a culture that's in, in large part has been illiterate for many years. Mm -hmm. their, their kids are now um, are being raised with school and you know know four languages before sixth grade. So mm -hmm. that's, inc that's <laughs> impressive. But, yeah. um, but the storytelling idea has always been really um, has been very powerful there. I, uh, the guy that we s who um, is kind of we're setting up as the the systems coordinator there. His name is Adama Sen. He sent me a video this morning um, about a, a guy who's who has been studying. He's a Christian who studies uh, Islam, and he gave this whole five point you know the five things that. Um, I disagree with Muslims on regarding crucifixion and he went right through the Quran and said well they said you know that Jesus didn't really die it wasn't him on the cross but mm -hmm. then it, within the Quran there's evidence where it says it, con it contradicts itself uh, and mm -hmm. so uh, it was interesting to, to get that and to see that most Muslims there don't understand the Quran yeah. that much even, yeah. um, because it just sort of covers over this anim animist stuff. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about being delivered from sin, we when we're talking to um, non-believers, we talk about also being delivered from witchcraft and delivered from mm -hmm. um, evil. And, and mm -hmm. they have these grigories and power amulet things that they tie around their waist or tie around their wrists. And usually the first act when they decide to receive Christ is to cut those off and we'll burn them right there in the sand as an mm -hmm. act of That's cool. uh, returning this over. So. Is that a scary thing for an animist? What, what does that mean? Yeah. 
Are you are you giving up safety from your dead ancestors or blessings or some kind of? Yeah, I, I I've never asked the question, but I think that is. I think it's a. Um, I don't know how you suddenly turn over a, a leaf and say, I'm not going to be superstitious anymore. Mm-hmm. But that's essentially what they're doing in some mm-hmm. regards. Mm-hmm. And there's still the syncretism there is is heavy. You know, you have this Islam, you have um, uh, the animist, and you even have a, a mix with the Christians. Like we, yeah. I know of a Christian pastor, a longtime friend of mine who's brother in Christ confronted him just recently because he's been hiding the family idol. They have these idols that, that protect their families. Yeah. He's like, well, I'm just holding on to it because it belongs to my family. Well, no, you're a pastor <laughs> proclaiming Christ. It's time to get this thing out of your house. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just a different world. I remember, I'm trying to think, Levi, I don't know if he was on that trip with me or not, but we were going to show a movie, the Jesus film, one night. And, it, and these people have no electricity. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have never even, they don't know what a movie is. So we put up the screen and bring out the laptop and video projector, fire up the generator, and the generator wouldn't start. And we had it over to the side by this baobab tree so it wouldn't make noise. And they're pulling on it and pulling on it. And some guy comes through and says, you'll never get that started. That That's a power tree. And you've, you've angered the... The God and or the Spirit yeah. in that tree. <laughs> so now everybody scrambles, and they're all in these small groups to start praying. Oh Lord, please release the generator from the. So yeah, um, I'm I'm praying with this group, and I'm thinking, you know, in my Western mind, I'm like, this just is not a spirit. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I wonder if they turned the gas, the petcock, to turn yeah. the gas on. I went over, switched it. They pulled it and started right up. And the whole village got saved. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not to say that the Holy Spirit wasn't at work. I yeah. the Spirit just right. said, Mike, go check and see if the gas is on. Yeah. Right, so, right. But it, we often, in our Western minds, we don't think about the spiritual. Mm-hmm. We had a, a situation where we confronted this guy on, on some stuff this trip. And the next day he came back and said, I woke up at 4 in the morning from a dream where I was carrying these bags of things and dropped them and they all went on the ground and the Lord I was going to pick them up and the Lord said don't pick those up leave them there and it was exactly going along with what we were we were asking him to lay down some stuff mm-hmm. well coincidentally uh, divinely maybe mm-hmm. um, three of the four of us on the team woke up at four o'clock that morning and all three of us prayed and the fourth one didn't, and it was the superintendent because she was tossing and turning and speaking and praying, or not praying, but speaking. And her husband was praying over her because he thought she was doing spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. All, all of it at 4 o'clock in the morning, yeah. there's just a different connection to the spiritual, uh, the, the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. So. And Dad and I were talking about this this week. I, I think it was like Friday or something, and I mentioned to him that this past week being Holy Week, I was feeling quite a bit of disturbance. Just for some reason I was grumpy for no no apparent reason on Thursday and Friday. And I, I said, I wonder if this week is the, the devil or principalities, powers of darkness, it must be our least favorite week mm-hmm. because it's leading up to the day that they lost. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, I bet there's a rise in dark powers at work. Mm-hmm. We in the Western world, like you said, don't like to talk about that that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really felt the disturbance in my soul this week. And I thought you were going to say the force. You know, I, <laughs> my medical orient count is quite high. I felt that disturbance in the force. Had Chris been here, he would have come. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of nerds. <laughs> Yeah, we would do better to, we would do well to, to pay closer attention to the spiritual realities. So, you know, when you um, you read through the Gospels and there's casting out of demons and stuff, even at the, was it, um, it was in Mark 16, but I think it might have been in the part that you said was not in the Bible, <laughs> which I'm fine with, but I'm, uh, which and and you're exactly true. I looked in in uh, it the the New King James version doesn't have a text note, but the the newer more um, scientific Bibles do. Anyway, um, what so the there'll be witnesses and and uh, these signs will accompany the believers. And uh, you're talking about uh, getting bit by snakes, and, and uh, uh, which Paul did in Acts, and so it was fulfilled, and, and drinking poison, and being fine, and uh, all kinds of other uh, casting out of demons, and um, we can overdo that, but we can we can underdo it too. And be, working in mental health, I I think we have gone way too far to to ignore. The possibility or the reality, and when you do that, then you just leave people open to the to the possibility of being oppressed and and not really being able to do anything about it because um, uh, uh, mental health uh, psychological interventions don't don't defeat the devil. They're they're you know weapons of our warfare are not are not carnal. They're not of uh, human origin. Uh, and it made me think of um, uh, a movie I want to promote. <laughs> <laughs> In cooperation with what you said about uh, storytelling, hmm. I think storytelling is becoming more popular in this yeah. generation. Yeah. In my day, it was science. At least that's what I wanted, and that was popular. And so, how do you how do you convince someone that the Bible's true and Christianity is better than all the other religions? It's because it's scientifically, historically accurate. There's all kinds of these evidences that um, that can prove your point. Uh, I was talking to one of my buddies at work, and and that's kind of in in 15 seconds I said that because he's kind of a dabbler in, in religions, and I said it's Easter, and and you know there's a devil out there, and um, Jesus rose from the dead, and there's uh, that is the difference between all the other religions, and what makes it true. And I made a note, and there's a plenty of uh, scientific historical evidence that, that makes that true, and which attracted me. And uh, like the historians, they uh, I don't know their names, but there was a there was a, a Jewish historian, which would be probably Josephus, Josephus right? Yeah. These people are not friendly to Christianity, but uh, uh, the Jewish historian validated the Jesus reality. Now that proving that he rose from the dead is different, but um, the uh, the Greeks and the Romans historians. So there's there's all kinds of just for an example, but that I don't think is appealing to to him or maybe most people in this generation. Although he's older than me, he's not of this generation. They're saying that storytelling is more 
is more powerful, more popular. Um, And I'm not sure why, except maybe they're more interested in experience. Mm -hmm. Some people don't even care about uh, science. I mean, look at... I don't want to... <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that point is obvious. And I wanted to get to promoting the the movie. There's a movie coming out by one of my guys, uh, my podcasters, Steve Days, Nefarious. And the website is um, uh, whoisnefarious.com. It's a Christian movie, but it's not like other Christian movies. It's a thriller. It's kind of dark. And it doesn't tie it off at the end with a nice salvation scene and they live happily ever after. Mm. It emphasizes, uh, well, it, it, it emphasizes the devil, the reality of, of demons, and uh, it's rated R. Uh, there's no blood and gore and stuff, but it's intense, and it, most of the scenery, the, most of the setting is in a prison, a guy on death row talking in a visiting re- room to a psychiatrist. And he's the he's trying to prove that this guy is not insane. What he ends up uh, acknowledging is that he's possessed by the devil. And the devil, it's it's patterned after if you've if you've read C.S. Lewis's uh, Screw Tape Letters. So Satan is this devil is telling how Satan works, what he's up to, how he does it. And it gets kind of ugly. It gives illustrations from contemporary examples, and and it leaves people at the end in an uncomfortable situation. And so, and I think that's a great way to witness to people this generation because of the the good versus evil and uh, the reality of the devil in a story format that that is not neatly tied off in one of these Hallmark movies that nobody can relate to except me. <laughs> and, uh, and so the storytelling and, um, and the reality of evil, I think we're, we're both made that, uh, that point. Uh, and well, and if anybody wants to go to it, it's playing Rochester Buffalo. <laughs> I'd love to see it. I heard it. It sounds really good. And we could learn uh, the com- the church will not be comfortable though. I know you're not that kind of pastor, but there will be people in the church that that maybe are not comfortable with with these cultural ways of engaging uh, and speaking the 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 language of the, the the people of this generation or the next generation. But um, uh, but I think it is yeah. needed. And you'd probably come up with biblical examples of, of how to do that. Although the epistles, I think, themselves are examples of that. Jesus, yeah. Jesus parables, and mm-hmm. all of that. But um, storytelling uh, is more powerful than we think. And I, I guess we would do well to uh, practice yeah. doing that. The church might not. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. You said the church might not be comfortable, but are we called to be comfortable? No. no. On the contrary. It's a lot more comfortable on the throne than on the cross, right? Just like you said, straight out of the message. Mm-hmm. Right out of your mom. She <laughs> gave me that quote. Oh, did she, she give you that quote? Oh, that's a good one. I think it was Tozer, her, yeah. her uh, uh, Easter devotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, the, one of the things, there's different resources out there for storytelling. Like Story Runner, I know, is one of them. And um, 
I, I want to explore it some more because I think it's a great way to illustrate scripture, to be able to, to present it. Um, but I often feel like, you know, as, as a pastor, my job is also to, to, um, to put theology or, or orthodoxy mm-hmm. out there. And, and sometimes it's hard to, to, to tease that out of, out of story. Mm-hmm. You're often leaving people to kind of draw that, those conclusions for themselves. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I guess, you know, in some ways, Mark's gospel did that. It yeah. really was written in such a way to, mm-hmm. to let people decide who do you say that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need, to, I need to play with that a little bit more and figure out what that's, that looks like, what storytelling looks like. And to figure out how do you still bring about those biblical truths mm. in a in a way that's going to um, meet the hearts of those who are are just starting out on the journey, who are walking, uh, but haven't been walking for you know generations, and those who have been in the church a long time. You want to you want to be able to reach everybody in the in the building with yeah. with truth. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you think maybe if we just share scripture, that's enough, and let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit um, work. I mean, scripture yeah. says it, it, you know, the word is it won't go mm-hmm. in vain. And, yep. um, but I feel like that's an easy way out of my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just stand up there, read a couple <laughs> verses, and sit down, make a go home room. Yeah. Hmm. It's, uh, yeah, thinking back on, you know, on the. Um, one other thing on the, on the idea of spirit, spiritual, supernatural kind of things. Um, I don't think we see it as much in the states because Satan's already won. He's already got. Uh, he's already got ooh, us distracted. Yeah. We're distracted with um, everything from materialism to genders. You know, mm-hmm. it's all it's all just <coughs> distraction. Um, and so he doesn't have to work so hard to to do some of those things that he he does elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just one thought. The other thought I had too is the idea of uh, the message never changes, but our methods do. The methods yeah. Change. So they, yep. and if storytelling is going to reach this generation, which has no um, no attention span. Mm-hmm. A goldfish has nine seconds of. <laughs> Today, people in, in 2023 have 47 seconds of attention span. Yeah. A dog has two minutes, and people in 2006 have two minutes and 57 seconds. Mm. We've lost Crazy. that attention span because this generation. Uh, you know, Brad, you and I will read an article, and there's a picture in there. We skip the picture. Give me the good stuff. This generation, and I'm broad, I'm painting with a broad brush, but yeah. will glean almost as much information out of just looking at the picture. Yeah. That's why memes are so yeah. huge. Yeah, because it, the picture says everything. Mm-hmm. We're way off in the weeds now. We've got to know our people, know our audience. I mean, you can complain about it as much as you want to, and I know it's true because I've felt the change in myself. I um, and I'm I actually made a a goal like last night I wrote it down on my phone I want to read for an hour every Sunday to try and combat that mm-hmm. it's like doing push-ups with your brain mm-hmm. and uh, and that's not a big 
uh, goal, but uh, hopefully it'll it'll help to uh, improve my attention span and um, tolerance for some of it's just like frustration. You get a you, you get an article like wow, this is like I keep scrolling down. I'm not reading all that. Wait a minute, how much are you gonna miss? Um, how much? So anyway. Um, we could complain about it all we want, but uh, un unless you learn to speak their language in ways that they can understand, they're just not going to uh, listen. And I can see I can see a sequence in Scripture where where Jesus w would talk to ordinary people in parables, but then you can see how well. Then there was the Book of Acts, Doctor Luke wrote, and and then the epistles from uh, Peter and and. James and especially Paul and I think of that as a, a sequence in discipleship where we we want to meet people we want to get them to into our church but and increase the uh, the challenge as as they go along uh, just like you would in a in a sport I suppose you first uh, you know you don't literally in high jump set the bar too high or or someone's doing 100 meter hurdles or something uh, you you want them to enjoy it the first time, be successful, then you raise it up a little bit and see. And the same thing you can see happening with, with discipleship in, in the church. First we go with the stories, then we get a little deeper into the stories. Your messages can do that too. Sometimes they're uh, for, for uh, storytelling, sometimes they're teaching, and, and then the small groups and what we try to do with men and stuff, just mm -hmm. yeah. gradually. <clears throat> increasing them so I got two what are you guys are you you're a millennial I don't know when the cutoff is come on <laughs> I'm right on the edge of alright well you guys when are you born you're the so, ass huh? when were you born 97 I was 95 so it must be yeah so you're safe then you're, you're mm. safe. this is a, a Gen Z question mm. but you guys are close enough to it close so enough I was um, Jake was saying yesterday he goes, Dad, I'm going to smash my phone. And my initial thought was, well, there goes 600 bucks. <laughs> um, but he was just about in tears. He said, Dad, this thing, I've had a phone since I was 14. Wow. He told him you can't have it until you can pay for it. Mm -hmm. 14, he paid for it. It was all he wanted. Mm -hmm. So he's this, he's, you guys are part of this digital natives. Like, mm -hmm. you've grown up with it. Mm -hmm. I said, why do you want to get rid of it? He goes, because I'm addicted to it. Mm -hmm. I'm addicted to the to the, the stuff on it, the social media stuff. I'm yeah. addicted to the texting and the, the, you know, the email stuff, people, and, and what he was really getting at is the <laughs> idea of um, the pressure that comes with it, that mm. people text you and I don't want to have to respond to them. They yep. email me and then I don't know, do I, how often do I have to check my email to see if they've emailed me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Jake's one of those people, I'll text them and I don't, you know, I might get a response in a yeah. week, mm -hmm. I might never get a response. Mm -hmm. But he's feeling this this pressure of yeah. I'm living by this stupid phone, yeah. and that's not the way I'm wired. Yeah. But all of his his friends, everybody he's mm -hmm. associates with, is living by him as well. And he goes, mm -hmm. technology's not going to revert back. Yeah. So I, I said, well, get a flip phone then. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he said, I, I think maybe I will. And then he gets into, well, I gotta have it when I'm in Sierra Leone doing stuff there yeah. and I gotta have it when I get a job yeah. and so I'm wondering if that's a common thing or if it's just you know that that 
pressure it feels like to respond or to be on your phone like that. And what have you guys done if, if that is a pressure? Well, I definitely think it's there. And I mean, I'm on my phone more than I care to admit, for sure. It oftentimes takes a conscience, conscious decision, okay, this is time that I'm going to spend with my family, or this time I'm going to devote X amount of hours, or X amount of minutes even sometime mm -hmm. to this one thing without my phone. It's not easy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a normal thing to, to feel every everyone I talk to admits that it's a it's something that is negative but is necessary that you have to be you have to have it and you have to be on it and some people are self proclaimed poor texters bad at texting and I have a higher respect for those that choose not to be on social media that aren't attached to their phone and, and don't text back promptly um, that don't care to invest themselves that heavily but it's become a necessary evil and um, I think another generation or two is going to consider it a good thing or just be uh, apathetic to it mm. um, totally normal and I have a higher respect for those that choose to live the flip phone life yeah. or yeah. something where they're mm -hmm. willing to give up the conveniences of it I would love to get rid of mine and go to a flip phone, but I recognize that there are conveniences attached to it that I don't want to give up. Mm -hmm. Like having a GPS on there, that is super convenient. Yeah. Plug in an address and go. Yeah. Uh, things like that, so. Yeah, and, and it, I'm in the same boat. There's times where I'd love to just turn it off, but I've also created, figured out how to create some boundaries. You know, I took mm -hmm. Facebook off of it. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, I've been, sober from from porn for five years and it took i mean it has taken me congratulations you know and the lord doing a lot of work but brad when you and i grew up you'd steal a, a playboy out of your neighbor's dad's mm -hmm. stash or you'd get one at the store now it's right there at your hand all yeah. the time and, yeah um i'm not saying that's wasn't jake's issue but it but that is for guys. I mean, we're a guy's it's podcast. Yeah. It's battle. It's, battle. Yeah, every man's battle. You're right. And it's right at your fingertips and worse than ever. And yeah. It just yeah. pollutes and corrupts so viciously, so yeah. quickly. I mean, you get on social media and immediately start seeing advertisements. Oh, yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. it's in there for a reason. Yeah. Yep. Or mm -hmm. even Google. Every time mm -hmm. you type in large breasts, you'd be surprised. I chicken breasts. How many minutes are we on? Because this could go on and Telling on. Yeah, the past, but I, we're getting, I don't know what we're at. I can't see. And it'd be worth, I don't want to devote a whole episode to this, but maybe just let it come up naturally as it does. But uh, I think it'd be interesting to just try to find porn these days because um, those tight pants that, that everybody watched, and they used to be yeah. I mean you can't I, I see everything no. <laughs> and uh, wait a minute did I just look at porn is that porn they, they sometimes they call it like softcore porn hardcore and mm -hmm. and on from there but um, I'm, I'm not even sure this generation could d define what yeah. Uh, and I, I might have a hard time to find it myself, but uh, it is hard to get a, get away from, and there, uh, it's worth talking about. Yeah, we're at thirty more. minutes, so we yeah. probably don't have enough time to really. Yeah, it. I've, I go back to Job, um, and I don't remember what the verse was, but it was I've made a covenant with my eyes, 
not yeah. to look lustfully on a, a woman. Yeah. So I just keep my eyes down all the time. Yeah. And there's there's lots of different ways to try and uh, try and accommodate or adjust to uh, what to do about it. But yeah. uh, but that probably for another because there are, we can overreact and, and that's not good yeah. uh, we can obviously underreact but um, we'll save that for another time I think that might warrant an actual podcast episode though I'm just saying I don't know that I want to spend an entire <laughs> well, maybe, maybe 30 minutes but I might even avoid that <laughs> but no, it's it's worth. Brad's not going to be here for that episode. Yeah, it's important to. Well, I wonder why Brad was this time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we had to get into it eventually sometime, mm -hmm. and and it, it, it naturally came up. I'm not sure why it came up this time because we talked about Easter. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but here we are, and uh, we can at least commit to coming coming back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that works for me. So. Yeah, we were going to talk about who do you say that I am, right? With, but I think that the question probably is is there, and hopefully folks can wrestle with it. Yep. Yeah, it's in there. Yeah. So. All right. Well, is that a wrap? Yeah. So? All right. Well, Brett. Have a good week and see you in church. <laughs>